My name is Mimba Dodwell and this is Ordinary Artists. Hello, in this episode I'm talking to Roy Alexander Wise. Roy was one of the first people I wanted on this podcast, so I'm so excited to be sharing with you this episode. We talk about the JMK Award, which he just won, which is given to young directors. We talk about the Royal Court and Tottenham. And we talk about his experiences as a director and how he got to where he is. At the end, he gives some advice that he finds useful to himself. And honestly, I thought it was the most invaluable thing you can hear as an upcoming artist. So really stick to the end because those are truly golden nuggets. Um, So here we go. So we're here at The National, I'm talking to Roy Alexander-Wise, who is a director. Um, I want to know where you, like, where you started and about your story about how you ended up at going to the theatre because you needed to pee, and that was the first time you went to the theatre, and how that led to you getting into directing. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really know that story would go down such a storm. I would have started saying it before, <laughs> some people would like find me a bit more interesting. Um, so I went to a school called Archbishop Tennyson's, which is uh, on a street called Kennington Oval, opposite the cricket ground. Um, and on that same road is a theatre called Oval House, but I didn't know it was a theatre because they had really, really bad signage. The <laughs> signage is much better today. Um, but this was like uh, about 15 years ago, 14, 15 years ago. Um, so I was, I left school for the day and I was walking down the road and I was like, oh crap, I need to go to the toilet. And um, I was like, oh, I'll just go in there because I was a bit brazen as a child. <laughs> and so I just went and was like, do you have a toilet? And they pointed me to it and I just went and used the toilet and came out. And then this woman was like handing me flyers and I was like, oh, what is it? And she was like, like a youth theatre. We're doing a summer school. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Um, what is it? Like, what, what kind of stuff do you do? They were like acting. I was like, oh no, I'm not really into acting. Um, do you have a singing one? They're like, yeah, you can do it for singing. Because at the time I was a singer and musician. Well, I mean, I was a student at school. <laughs> but I liked singing and playing instruments. Um, and um, yeah, so I decided to go along. Didn't really know what to expect. And I think the first show we did was a play called More Light. Uh, I can't remember who it's by, but it's like one of the Greek ones of like <laughs> this uh, emperor, god, whoever, not god, emperor, yeah. um, who basically knows he's going to die, so gets um, all of his wives or something to come into his tomb with him and they get shut in. Oh. It's really savage. That is. We were like quite young <laughs> yeah. and we were doing it and I played the emperor and it was... Really interesting because I just laid dead for a lot of the time. Um, and then uh, they started the classes up after the summer, and I started doing singing, and it was great. And then um, uh, I I kind of experienced a bit of like a, a personal tragedy with like a loss of a very close family member, and. Um, and literally, as it happened, the only place that I could go after that was the theatre. So I didn't oh. really go to school or anything. I just kept going to Oval House and um, just hanging out there. 
And then um, the head of youth arts at the time, Nikolai Labari, who is now um, doing some amazing work at the Lyric um, in Hammersmith, um, he asked me to basically um, read an audition for a, the part of a character called Jim in a play called Chatroom by Ender Walsh, um, which was part of the National Theatre Connections plays yeah. for that year. And um, so I did, and I was like, okay, what the hell? And I was in this play, and I mean, it was great, but it was like horrific because at the same time, because I was like enjoying myself, yeah. doing it and forgetting who I was, but then it was just really hard to switch off. And the play was quite, um, it was quite adult in its themes. Uh, I was playing a character yeah. who was incredibly vulnerable and who went online to declare that he was going to commit suicide. Do you I've know the play? It's play, yes. It's a, it's a yes. sick play. Yeah. It's so Definitely good. Um, and um, and so like a lot of it is so funny, but the humor is so dark. And then you're like, no, but this kid actually might be on the verge of doing yeah. something. And I wasn't on the verge of like doing anything in my real in life, life yeah. but it was just a very kind of um, <laughs> delicate and vulnerable place to be. Yeah, after experiencing what you experienced. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then I and then we did the performance and Ender Walsh came and watched it and that's nice. Which was really cool and we were the first group to perform it and it was like an amazing, amazing production. And um, and every night uh, at the end of the play, um, because the play is about talking about all of these horrific things about suicide yeah. and about depression and all that as a young person, even though it is funny. There's a there's a moment where one of the other characters, who actually was played by Steph O'Driscoll, who is now the artistic director of Nabokov, oh. who's directed a little bit of Luck by Sabrina Marfuz. Where's that on? I haven't it's going to be on at the River Stage on Saturday, oh. and it's free. Yes, well. Oh, now I'm in Devon. <laughs> Otherwise, I would, I would have definitely been there to watch it. I was like, yes! Devon. But I'm in Devon. Oh, man. I have to go to a wedding. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so she, uh, another amazing, amazing director and a great friend of mine, she, um, she was playing the character Laura and I was playing Jim. And she says to me, the, the second to last line of the play is, so what do you want to talk about after we've kind of combated all of our like fears and anxieties and the last line of the play is bunny rabbits and it has nothing to do with anything which is yeah. like the amazing thing and it's childlike and it's innocent oh. and it's kind of reclaiming that sense of like play and nonsense and and um i yeah i just found it really reflected me and where i needed to be at the end of each day because i was experiencing a lot and the character was as well and there was something about understanding that children need to be allowed back into that like um i don't know just that that kind of like element of play as yeah. a child and innocence um and uh yeah so so it was like hugely instrumental in terms of like me deciding to like do theater oh. as a full-time job but i i mean i kind of just I just kind of didn't really leave the theatre building. That's what happened. <laughs> From that moment, you just yeah, stayed. Yeah, I just kind of stayed there. 
I, I mean, I've definitely had showers in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah um, absolutely. I was also going to say, I saw you mentioned the lyric Hammersmith, and you've worked at the Old Vic and also the Royal Court, so you've been at a lot of different theatres, mm. and which led to the JMK Award. Which, mm. How was that, winning that for you? And um, tell us a bit about it. So, okay, so uh, the JMK Award is an award for... Uh, Young Directors of Great Promise, and uh, it was founded, um, I think, 19 years ago, after the tragic death of a man called James Mears Kitchen, um, who was um, a director who, uh, like myself, had started out as an actor, had kind of like... Um, Give, he kind of like made some work that had classic work specifically. Um, so productions of classic texts. He had like done productions of classic texts which had like gathered a lot of interest and then uh, he very, very suddenly passed away. And so the trust, the JMK Trust was set up uh, in order to give directors under the age of 30 an opportunity, I guess, to have uh, a production in uh, an established theatre venue, uh, fully supported, um, uh, yeah. And um, I mean, like the list of people that have won it is just kind of incredible. It's like people <laughs> like Polly Finlay, uh, Fia Sharrock, who did the Bodyguard. I didn't even know that you she did the Bodyguard. Oh, I saw that actually. And lots of TV stuff. Uh, who else? Uh, Mark Rosenblatt. Uh, Joe Hill Gibbons, um, Natalie Abrahami, um, Sam Pritchard, Kate Hewitt, lots of people who I really, really respect. Um, and I, coming from uh, a kind of working class background, I know that, um, I know and I've experienced the hardship of like trying to be an artist. Um, and what it means in terms of money, especially as a director, like you want to get some actor to come and do your show yeah. at this tiny black box in some <laughs> Mukul village somewhere. Yeah. And uh, so you take them to some hotel lobby and buy them coffee that costs more than your lunch. And, and you know, it's not a cheap, like, Lifest lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and of course there are like cheaper ways to go about it and much easier simpler ways to go about it but generally like in terms of the, the fees that you get paid generally as a director as a young director uh, having to do profit shares having to put your own money into productions in order to kind of get things up and running it's a really 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 tough road to kind of like uh journey and so i've always just known i need some kind of grace from god in order to like continue doing this because yeah. I'd, I'd been like really really struggling um and i guess the jmk award has been something that's been on my radar for years yeah. and i've looked at it and gone i want to do that i want to do that and then as i kind of got a bit older and more politicized i, re I started realizing that also another thing is that there haven't actually been any black winners so for me it also then became a thing of uh breaking that cycle and yeah. and like whether it was me or someone else like you know there were other directors that i know like Ola Ince, like ricky yeah. henry like jade lewis who i've you know 
uh, I've tried to have conversations with him and say, you know, like someone's got to, I can't believe it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm like obviously quite happy that it's me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, yeah, um, it, it's a lot of hard work. Mm. Like the process of it is a lot of hard work. You've got to choose a play. You've got to say in writing why you want to do it, why it's important yeah. to you, why it's relevant now, why it's relevant to the theatre that it's at, which is, you know, all stuff that you should think about. Yeah. But for me, I've always been a very kind of like tactile, active person. And, and um, even though I know that I am capable of like communicating through writing, I've always found it quite uh, a tricky thing to really like um, believe I'm good at. Yeah. Because I don't come from a very academic background. Like my parents didn't go to university. Um, I didn't. I kind of went to university. I went to drama school, which was kind of my excuse. Like it was my way of like going to university without actually having to go to university. Because <laughs> otherwise, I would have been kicked out of my house. Um, oh, your parents really wanted you yeah, to go to university. I had to. I had to. Yeah, I had to do something at that stage. So right, like yeah. they just weren't having it. <laughs> So drama school was like my way of, of going to uni without going to uni. But it was a good, you went to Rose Bruford. Yeah, 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 which was yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it was great. It, it was tough. Drama schools, I mean, we can talk about this another yeah. day. Drama schools are like, are like sanctuaries and yet hell holes at I the know. same time. But we can, you know, we can talk about that <laughs> another time. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I guess, yeah, you, you've got to really sell yourself through words and because I'm not like kind of like in a way like a lot of other JMK winners from like you know Warwick or Cambridge or you know I'm not like well studied in terms of like lit literacy etc and English I, I kind of um, but I think that found that yeah. quite tough I guess but I think that's well it's not necessarily a good or bad thing because it's quite good for <coughs> I think it's quite good for the industry and I enjoy literature like li plays yeah. that are quite academic but at the same time sometimes I just want to watch like a play which is written like we speak yeah I don't want to be watching a play like but I don't speak like that nor yeah, do my yeah, friends yeah. or people yeah, on the street yeah, absolutely and to have that represented and just have everyone included mm. it's quite it's nice yeah absolutely but and, and the thing that I really respect about the JMK Trust is that they kind of like <clears throat> they host a lot of sessions to kind of demystify it as well, to kind of open it up to people and, and go, it's not about like being a very particular type of mm. person. It's about how you communicate yourself. <clears throat> and so I found that um, uh, I could be much simpler in the way that I wrote things down. Uh, and then, um, so yeah, you've kind of got to do that and you've got to say why you want to do the play, etc. And then there's a round two. And then the round two, you have to like assemble a whole team. So producer, designers, light designer, um, sound, video, if you need it and the mountaintop needs video. Um, what else? Suggestions for like voice, casting, movement, um, everything. That's quite a lot, like a whole, yeah. as if you're doing the full production. Yeah. I mean, really, they're giving, they're giving you the money to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you've yeah. got to, like, submit the CVs of these people. And you really? can't just, like, go onto the agent's <laughs> websites and, yeah. like, rip them off. And you've got to actually, like, build these relationships with these wow. people and convince them that this project is worth kind of, like, um, 
investing your time in, even though at that stage it is still basically hypothetical. Um, so, yeah, you've got to do that. You've also got to um, start doing research with your designer and you've got to submit up to like four, I think it's like four to six A3 pages of the set. Of like research oh images to kind of give a suggestion, the flavour of where your production is kind of heading and, and what they should expect. And what your, I guess, they want to know the, the ideas that you're trying to mine from the play and, and that you kind of want to physically represent. Um, so there's that. And then also you've got to, with your producer, produce, put together a budget, like a, a draft budget. Like yeah, I think that's the most. In arts, I think there's also a lot of people who are like, "Yes, I want to put my own production on," but budgeting to actually like it's, sit and budget. Yeah, I think it's that's not an easy thing to no. do at all. There was a show that I direct, directed and produced like years ago. I won't even say what the show was, <laughs> because in my opinion, it was horrendous. Even though I know I directed it, but it was horrendous because it's a really, really tricky thing, and and. Um, uh, and it's hard to, for me anyway, to have my head on as a producer and a stage manager as well, it turned out. That's, that's busy. As well as like being the director at the same time and managing the room with the actors and everything. It's, it's a really difficult thing, so I'm like more power to, the, to, to producers <laughs> and I have so, so much respect for like them. It's such an important thing though to, to, to kind of discover what other people do and really understand it. And I guess one of the ways in which you can really successfully do that is by actually doing it yourself. <laughs> so that stage is like quite a massive bit. And then for the third stage, you've got to uh, present a model box of your final design. Uh, and uh, then uh, attend a two day workshop. Well, one day workshop where basically you're watched directing for the whole day with like different actors and <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a director Shakespeare sonnet because it's based on, um, I guess the, the, the trust uh, really believes in classic text. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to um, direct some scenes from the play that you're doing. Okay. Um, it sounds really intense, but funnily enough, that was like the easy part for me because actually when I'm actually just doing the work, I'm at my most comfortable. It's all the other like... The extra bits. BS yeah. around. <laughs> It all, that really, sh yeah. that sometimes, not really, sometimes become a little bit more stressful. But um, but I, I really don't, yeah, it's kind of like, and people kind of walk in and out and just watch you and sometimes interject and ask questions. And But I'm kind of like, yeah, that's fine. And like, yeah. you know, when I'm in a story and I know what I'm doing, I'm absolutely in there. And I, I because I started off as an actor, I... I'm always in awe of the, the actor's process and I've really loved actors and that's something that I've never ever um, really been afraid of. Um, so, so that's for me like the easiest part. The difficult part then was like going in the next day and you've got like 45 minutes to pitch your production and then they wow. ask you questions. And you're not allowed to go in with your designer. You've got to have the model box in there, and then the producers with you as well. It's it's intense to say the least. It's really really intense. But you know, I I had applied for it two years ago, and was awarded first runner up. Hmm. And you know, I I've kept a really great relationship with the JMK as well. 
And um, in that time, I've also kind of gone on to do like the work at the Royal Court as a training director, yes, which I is like a, a year and a half, you know. So. Now, you worked on X, wasn't it? Did yeah, you? yeah, yeah. That was really good. Did you see it? I saw it and I was jumping in my seat. I had to grab my friend. I was like, <laughs> this is, it was a really good show. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Alistair McDowell is a genius, yeah. as is Vicky Ferguson. It's such an amazing it's a great team show. of people to work with. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I guess they noticed that I'd kind of gone on quite a journey since um, having won the first runner-up prize. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I, I don't know, somehow it worked in my favour. I mean, like, there were a lot of amazing directors this year, really, really brilliant, brilliant people um, whose work I've seen some of them and whose, whose names have kind of popped up on my radar a lot. So, so it was like quite tough, you know, and, and you get to know each other, but it's, it's really nice because at the same time, you realise how different you are to one another and at the announcement events you kind of see each other's model boxes or or, or like um, when you're pitching on the days that you pitch like everyone's kind of there with their model box and you kind of get to see the different, a di yeah. you know, a sense of the kind of work that, that, that each person's interested in and what they want to do with their plays etc. Um, and it's nice that you said they were also different, that's quite yeah. encouraging, I mean at least then it's not useful. It kind of gives, I don't know, it's nice to hear that there's lots of different shows coming out. Because, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I must admit, in the last few years, all the shows have been quite, like, such a variety of things from mm. all the different theatres in London. You're not seeing the same Shakespeare being mm. done. Absolutely. So that's, that's encouraging for actors who can also work with other directors. Yeah, because yeah, Because obviously we're going to end up working with, with lots of different people. So. Yeah, definitely. That's nice. And I wanted to ask you about how it was working on the show on Fleek, because that sounded really cool. Yeah, on fleet. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I just heard it was like an immersive, it's an immersive show, and um, people walking around and having these different, hearing different snippets of stories from barbers. Yeah, it was. Um, funnily enough, it was like one of. It was one of the projects that I guess in the last like couple of years I've been most like nervous about <laughs> yeah because it, it was devised um, with uh, two amazing actors Tania Miller and Daniel Francis Swaby um, as well as like my colleagues at the Royal Court um, Jerome Zara um, Chris Sonics Hamish um, we I guess we well we interviewed lots of people from the Tottenham area um, in barbershops and hair salons, but you know, I mean, like we know how black people are sometimes. So like, what do you want? <laughs> Why are you asking? Why this? are you asking these questions? <laughs> Where's it gonna be? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so they're quite. You know, some of them are a bit guarded uh, in terms of their responses, but some of them also really amazing in terms of like how much they gave. Um, and um, we discovered that actually to make a verbatim piece would just be hell because. <laughs> I didn't have a writer on board. There wasn't very much time. Uh, it was just really tough. And also, I felt like in order for the actors to like really own the piece, it needed to kind of be their words. But at the same time, that then becomes, for them, quite an exposing thing because mm. they, they become the writers in, in yeah. this situation. Um, but yeah, it was in the shipping container, which was the Royal Court's pop-up theatre in Tottenham's part there. 
Summer Festival, which is part of a three-year um, initiative called Beyond the Court, which is happening in Tottenham and in Pimlico. Oh, I really yeah. like that idea. It's actually, I, yeah. I was looking into it and I wanted to go and I thought it was great that they're getting stories from the community and mm. investing it because there's some areas where people have been saying that we don't hear much about theatre. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's good to see them reflected. I think it only encourages them more to come and see shows and gets more people into behind the scenes of theatre as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... it's um, the reason why I think it's such a brilliant initiative is because, like, there were so many theatres that for such a long time mm. decided, right, okay, we're going to do this project over the summer with these five million children <laughs> and our facilitators, it's going to be amazing and yeah. pump this money in. And then you do it and then they disappear. Yeah. So they've done this amazing show and then they're not there again. And so these people don't really know how to... Uh, keep a relationship with them um, and also oh, yeah, there is nothing to say um, that um, we've really <laughs> um, yeah so, so it, a lot of theatres kind of pump a lot of money into these um, areas and then kind of disappear um, which is weird because it feels I mean there's a kind of essence of ghettoising there like, like a trip to the ghetto kind of vibe going on sometimes with that but this what this does is show you know the people of Tottenham and Pimlico that like we want to build a long-lasting relationship with you of course it means that we can only like fund it for three years because you know money has to come from somewhere but nevertheless it says we, we're showing a commitment to, to like bringing people from this area into our building and yeah. it really is working like we've got great connections with people in that area, I need to stop saying we because I don't get the Royal Court anymore. Sadly, I'm freelancer again. But um, yeah, so so it's really amazing in that sense. And so it was, I guess for us, it was like quite important to um, with on fleek to create a, a piece of work that um, that really kind of like. Um, highlighted I guess the vibrancy of the black community which which lives very often in the barbershops, hair salons etc um, but also to, to kind of like talk about the, the real politics behind black hair so you know the European hairstyles that we emulate, the, yeah. the straight lines and also um, there is something about um, narrative that we kind of like see in that too like you know, people get their hair done, like especially you know working class people getting their hair done and getting nice trainers and nice clothes. It's part of showing people that you're okay and that you're all right and that you don't need the help of everyone. Oh, I know. So I that was something that, like that we we were kind of like looking at. I guess you know it's just something that I kind of saw in uh, people that I know and in my family. Like you know, we definitely wouldn't have like the most glamorous dinners. But like we had suits to wear to church <laughs> and nice shoes and do you know what I mean? And uh, my mum always had her hair done. And my sisters always had their hair done. We always yeah. had like a, a trim. Like it's part of like being presentable yeah. and showing people that that you are in a good position. Um, and it's about aspiration as well, I guess. Um, but yeah, in terms of like what the piece actually was, we you know. It just felt like it was only right to try and maybe recreate the kind of like environments that we walked into 
and that that you know we know that other people would recognise. So the music, the the like you know the long sitting times yes. and waiting. And there the was a lot of talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People bringing in food and the yeah. chit chat. You know the trivial conversations, the personal, the political conversations. Um, yeah, so so it really felt uh, like we were creating something really authentic, I guess, um, in terms of like representing these stories um, and that experience of like trying to keep yourself groomed yeah. as a black person. Which is like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle that we all recognise, yeah. that we all know of. You know? I don't think sometimes my friends, not that they wouldn't know, but I don't think they know how much time goes into grooming as you say, as being a black female, it, d- it does take time. Yeah, and absolutely. it is, and it's a lifestyle choice. Definitely. And I must admit, the food thing about bringing your hairdressers and having food in there, like, I don't think my friends would expect that. Like, I've been to hairdressers so many times. They're like, "Do you want some food? You want someone's gonna yeah, get some yeah, chicken yeah. and chips? Do you want some?" Like, yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. It's like you sit there and get comfortable. <laughs> Lastly, I wanted to ask you so if you had any advice to um, directors who up directors who want to get into it especially young people who are thinking about it yeah Yeah, in one second so basically there's a woman dragging a table and chair for her and her partner now she's talking really loudly but I'm going to speak over her Um, advice oh god advice for aspiring directors or any antidotes as well just well I mean <laughs> I need advice after that <laughs> uh, okay so the, uh, can I say the things that I found really useful yeah yeah uh, not that they're tried and tested for everyone but for me these are things that have worked and feel like they continue to work and the things that I feel I want to keep doing so if you want to call it advice call it advice but um, I definitely won't be putting this in, in a book in any time like any time soon but um, I think the first one and this is not in order of like priority but just as they come to me is I think it's really important to surround yourself by um, other people who are confident and creative and supportive because as a director it's a very lonely um, kind of like journey it isn't lonely at all because you can't do your job without other people but definitely lonely sometimes uh, because sometimes the idea comes from you and you spend a lot of time trying to convince other people that the idea is worth investing in whether it be time, money, energy and um, and so you've got to um, feel like uh, I guess like you are with and around people that also believe in you um, but at the same time don't make that the exclusive source of your confidence like you've got to find it in yourself you've got to be confident in yourself and have real belief in your ideas Um, and one of the ways that I found to do that was by really kind of um, I guess thinking about and exploring how unique I am in comparison to other people that I know and not in a competitive way sometimes in a competitive way but, but most of the time just going, I am me because I am me because of this. Uh, 
and nobody else is me. So those are the things that make me me. And I found that's really a really, really useful thing to do. Um, other things that I would say are keep yourself stimulated. Um, go and watch shows. You kind of need to know what the landscape of theatre looks like because um, the first thing that happens when you start directing is you go, I've had this wicked idea. And so you're like, yeah, we're going to do this and this and this and this and then like actually somebody else has already done it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you don't always have to make theatre to be groundbreaking. Uh, but... Um, but it's always good to know what has come before you in order to know where you can take it next. Um, other advice. You don't have to have read every Shakespeare and Chekhov play. I haven't. Sometimes I still do feel like I need to catch up. They are, you know, great plays and they are important in terms of understanding the European kind of like uh, blueprint of literature and theatre and how they meet. Um, but it's not the only way to make theatre. Um, what else would I say? I would say meet people. I feel like, particularly for me, my journey has kind of come about because I think I've just been really lucky enough to kind of land near and around people who end up really believing me and want to help me. So like, you know, I, from Oval House, Nikolai kind of passed me on to a woman called Shabnam Shabazi, who I worked with on a project when I was uh, about 17, 18, who then recommended me to Tofa, who I worked with, Tofa Campbell, who used to run the Red Room. Um, and then I went to drama school, and when I came out of drama school, Tofa offered me a job as an associate director at the Red Room. Um, and then he passed me on to Michael Buffon and I worked with Michael on the show and then he passed me on to Madini and I worked with Madney and the Bush team for uh, about a year and a bit and the Lyric as a, in a joint kind of like fellowship um, and then Madini um, kind of passed me on to Vicky Featherston and wrote an, an amazing email to her of recommendation obviously I did do some you know I, I, I kind of did do some stuff in there as well said some stuff that maybe was, I hope, was impressive or, or showed, like, I guess, um, that I kind of had a similar stance to these buildings in terms of, like, the kind of work that I want to make or politically where I stand. Um, but, you know, it... Those relationships are so, so important. They're so important. As actors, even, like, getting to know people... It's so important because if people don't know who you are and they don't know that you're there and they don't know that they can cast you and, you know, people go and watch shows and they see you and they, you know... It, and, and also, like, as directors get to know who the sound designers are, light designers, designers, producers, oh, my God, producers... Like, you just know, get to know who people are and be brave and tenacious about approaching these people to meet with them. Um, yeah... I mean, those are things that I've done. Other people have, like, you know... I was going to say, that is some great advice, though. Other, other, you know, roots, yeah. but... Yeah, it takes a lot sometimes to build up that confidence. That's the key thing, like... You know, everything that you do as a director is through you and through your body. You only understand the world through, the, through your own lens. 
and unless you are really truthful to who you are and really in, in, in like connection with your own instincts, uh, which comes from a confidence in believing in that, then it's a real struggle to be able to like convince anybody else to invest in you and your ideas, or to feel like you have the ability to communicate what you think the world is to other people. I was say, yeah, again, that is some great advice. I really like that. And thank you so much for doing this interview. No, at all. Thank you for having me. It's no problem. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on both Twitter and Facebook at Ordinary Artists.